Hello, everybody, and welcome to Outer Rim Transmission, episode 120. We are talking tonight, of course, about Ahsoka. This is going to be our discussion, our review of Ahsoka Season 1, Episode 3, slash Part 3, called Time to Fly. So, yeah, we had a little bit of tech difficulties. Of course, it would be us waiting here, ready to roll. Then last-minute Discord decides, hey, we're not going to... We're not going to stream any video, and after reinstalling, after restarting two or three times, I realized that my GPU is out of code, out of date. So that might have fixed things, but yes, yeah, so we're a little bit, a little bit tardy, but we are here live on Star Raptor's YouTube channel. How's it going, Ben? <laughs> good, good. I mean, it's great to be back. Um, you know, I hope everybody had a good weekend, and it was a good weekend over here, and uh, ready to talk some Star Wars. Like this was a really good episode i got some uh good like feedback from just like say casual fans i know about this episode which was cool um you know i always like reference like how my grandma watches this uh these shows as well like she actually so the funny story about her we were over there visiting um today and she watched the new episode and you know she loved it she uh you know she thought it was one of the best ones uh she thought it was the best one of the season so far and then she uh she was like yeah and then you know just auto played the first season of mandalorian and she ended up watching the first four episodes of mandalorian season one which was great so uh so she just uh yeah it was cool just hearing like that feedback just from like those casual type of star wars fans um you know that people are enjoying this show yeah i i've been watching it i watched it with my girlfriend she hasn't watched rebels or anything and had no problem getting into it so and I've been hearing that from a couple of different people, my coworkers, different other people I've you know talked to at the gym and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, I know there's some really weird reviews out there from yeah. websites that are just trashing the show simply because oh they feel like you have to watch all of Rebels to really get it, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So. Oh yeah, I mean there's there's plenty of people try to like they try to like paint that narrative. I feel like it's like, Oh, you got to watch this. Well then technically they shouldn't be saying you should have to watch rebels. They should be saying you have to watch all of star Wars content from episodes one through six leading up to this show. Like, you know, that's the narrative that they should be pushing because like, Hey, you know, technically rebels doesn't give you the summary of what's going on with the new Republic, you know, episode six does. So you'd have to watch that. And to watch episode six, you'd have to watch five, and then four, and then Rogue One, and then Solo, and then, you know, like so. It's like those type of websites or like individuals that do that. It's a lot of times, you know, it's to like drum up. It's just to me, it's just to drum up unnecessary, like negative. Like, don't get me wrong, we all like have been critical about certain things in Star Wars, like over the past few years on here. But it's just from a genuine point of view. A lot of those like places, you know. Um, and like in nowadays nowadays social media sphere like negativity sells so like if you spin it that way it's an easy way to get clicks cuz it's more controversial than giving it a good review yeah so there there it is uh and it goes for just the reviews in general man because um there's a, there's a certain big game that came out this week called Starfield and uh the reviews aren't so hot from a couple of different big outlets that people rely on uh, yep. so it's, it's kind of like, okay, how much credit do you put in a reviews? And that's why it's, it's worth watching many outlets. Don't, don't look at just one, you know, look at many, look at aggregating sites, look at Metacritic, look at open critic, 
look at Rotten Tomatoes, whatever it is. Um, or maybe just don't look at any of them. If you're looking forward to a show, you just watch a show and see for yourself. I think that's the best way of going yeah. about it. Oh, oh, it is. Like, I mean, a prime example of it, um, Chris, especially for you and me, you know, we both really enjoyed the Halo series when it came out. But the critics, like, completely shredded and annihilated it. But for me, it's like, hey, if that's their opinion, cool. But for me, I really had a good time with the Halo series. Like, so, like, you know, that's just an example there, like, where, you know, it's something I enjoy is getting shredded by everybody. But that's fine. I still enjoy it. Like, it's mm -hmm. not going to take away my enjoyment of it. Just, like, you know, just because, you know, that's being said. I mean... Actually, an easier example for our for like our listeners on here, like everyone here on here knows I'm not like a big fan of Andor. Chris loves the show though; he thinks mm -hmm. it's amazing. Blah 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 blah. But it's fine. We can have different opinions and still like oh, co-host yeah. a podcast mm -hmm. together. But you know, if the internet would make you believe, since we have differing opinions, opinions we shouldn't even be on the same podcast. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, Ben. Uh, what I do yeah. know is that we have Royal Farm Barry in the chat. Royal. Farm boy. I don't know why I have trouble pronouncing your name, so sorry about that. But yes, he's on Twitter promoting <laughs> us, so gotta send a very special shout out to you, man. Uh, he's saying howdy, friends, Ben, Chris. So yeah, you could be just like Rural Farm Boy and join us every Sunday around specifically. I would love it to be precisely at seven every week, but stuff happens. So I'll tell you guys anywhere between seven to 8 p.m. Eastern, you'll catch us at some point during the show, probably. Uh, but we would love to have you guys in our lively chat room. Also, you can listen to us after the fact if you can't watch us live. You can simply go to any podcast app and just look up Outer Rim Transmission. And especially if it's on Spotify or Apple Music, please give us a five-star review. Um, and that would help us spread the positivity here on the channel. Quick update, Milton's not here tonight. Um, he's with family uh, because it's Labor Day here in America. So, you know, it's a big holiday weekend to kind of close out the summer, although September has plenty of awesome weather days, but um, it's a little bit hot here lately, which is unfortunate. Um, but enough about the weather. We're going to jump right in. So we have a lot of good review uh, releases that came out this week, first of all. We have the book that I've been devouring, and that is from a certain point of view... Return of the Jedi, I only have like 80 pages left. <laughs> this might be the most massive Star Wars book to date in canon. It's almost 600 pages. It's like 573 pages long. But I don't know. I think you've read the other two or at least delved into yeah. them a little bit, Ben. Yeah, I've, I've read... Uh, I have, well, I have both A New Hope and, and Empire Strikes Back. Um, like Empire I got last year because everybody... Like, my family members know that's, like, my favorite Star Wars movie. So, like, of course, like, someone got me that as a gift. Um, but, yeah, like, I really enjoy those books. Like, I, I would definitely be cool with getting, you know, these for all the movies, really. Just because, like, it's always cool just, like, you know, you know we love it with, with um, like, Clone Wars, for example. We love, like, seeing Ahsoka in, like, the background scenes of this scene or that scene or the other scene. Like, so it's cool, like, getting it in book form. For just like odds and end types things um you know just to like it kind of just like enhances your viewership even mm. of the movies because or um you know like milton always talks about on here when he's on um you know the rewatchability of the different um properties so like mm -hmm. it makes the it makes the original trilogy that much more rewatchable because you can be like oh like off camera to the right is like this character or something yep. you know like so it's it's yep. cool it's cool uh like seeing all that um, like, 
like the big one that stood out to me like from empire the empire book was the whole scene like the whole like uh force ghost yoda and obi-wan talking yeah. about luke and leia and like that scene was great and like it just adds that much more to the empire strikes back so like i really enjoy that and i'm definitely looking forward to the return of the jedi one once i get around to it yeah that one was great because they're talking about Leia as the chosen one, or or, mm-hmm. or the one that will bring balance to the force, essentially over Luke and, or, you know, Yoda or Ben is like, yeah, Luke is is a clumsy, angst teenager. <laughs> I don't think we have any hope for him. Let's let's go to the, the 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 daughter of a diplomat of a planet. I think she's got more weight on her shoulders and and can actually carry herself forward under this. But yep. yeah, what I will say is this: Return of the Jedi is one of my well, actually, I think it will. I will say again, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. Everything from Jabba the Hutt to the Ewoks to the awesome space while at the end, I love all of it. So to get this book that's going to expand forty stories, and by the way, Rural Farm Boy, who I'm now going to refer to as RFB, because that's a lot easier for me for whatever reason. Um, he is saying that the audio version is 19 hours long. That okay. is crazy long i don't think anything comes close to that so yeah there's a couple stories that that really stand out to me first off is Alyssa Wong's story which i just read today which is about the carnivorous nature of the ewoks and how about they are literally eating scout troopers and stormtroopers and people are being tortured and it's basically like a torture horror flick story in the star wars universe on endor so i'm like oh this is crazy then there's like another story that's basically like a journal of a stormtrooper every day. And he's constantly complaining about how the calf dispensers aren't working. And then you have a story that is through the mindset of a royal guard. And I read this one today too. And it was, I was telling you guys about it in the chat about how the royal guard is having this existential crisis essentially because it's like, what happens when there's no emperor that I have to protect? The Emperor told me to go away in the throne room when I'm, you know, confronting Luke. And now the Emperor's dead and I feel like I should have been there to defend him. But I have to listen to him saying, leave us and I can't be there when that happens. And now I am lost without a cause with no Emperor to protect. So there's a lot of really awesome stories. Oh, another another story I really like is the fact of this one guy that's has this what this one stormtrooper that has the grand plan of designing handrails for all of the imperial installations. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Like it's cool getting like those type of like little like you know kind of like even head nods like that like the handrails one. Well, um Chris, so I was just looking actually at the audiobook version of it. It's cool actually. So what they did for the audiobook version just like they did for, say, the authors writing the individual stories, there's a lot of different narrators. Like, we uh-huh. have our Mark Thompson's, our, you know, um, uh, Jonathan Davis's, like, all those different types of people. Like, all the main Star Wars narrators are the ones doing this book. That is really cool. Yeah, like, all the main all the main people you'd see, like, in the Star Wars book directory on Audible, they're all the people. Like, there's a huge list, and it says, and various others as well. So there's a huge list of narrators you know it's basically the star wars you know the star wars crew for audible doing this book yeah this is this book feels like it's an all hands on deck for the del rey team i think tom over at del rey this is his like big project um because you have to round up 40 different authors 
and get them to all tell a story that kind of goes into a natural timeline flow because it goes it goes from the beginning of return of the jedi to the point at the end where like everybody's experiencing a destruction of the death star 2 in different ways right so it's a lot of work on their hands and also i think this is this book is sort of like the audition if you will of the upcoming star wars writers because this book i am the most I am the least familiar with most of these authors before any other FACPOV book. Um, the other books, it was kind of like half and half. This book, most of the authors I've never even heard of. It's just not a bad. It's not a bad thing because that means to me, like, okay, these people are all down the right Star Wars in long form. So maybe we're going to see a lot more of these people. That's what they usually do. They, 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 you know, first experience a book in a story in one of these, and then like Lydia Kang wrote the story about the T1B. In Empire Strikes Back at the end of, of that movie about attaching Luke's hand and phantom limbs a lot. And then she comes back and she's like one of the lead people that's writing High Republic. So I like to look at this as, oh, there's there's plenty of great writers that have great writing styles. And I'm just looking forward to seeing now in the future what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. It's always cool to see, like, you know, like you said, the new talent coming in and uh, just to see where it's going to really lead to. Um Honestly, because like there's so many good stories out there to tell, and Star Wars is such a big place to tell stories, you know. Heck yeah, that wasn't all that was released this week. We also had The Mandalorian season two, episode three slash issue three. Um, if you've watched that episode, you know all about that comic book. We also have from Marvel Bounty Hunters issue number thirty-seven. Ethan Sachs does continue not to pull in any punches. Uh, Byron Valence, one of the most tragic characters in all of Star Wars. Um, Hopefully we'll see him on screen someday if he survives. Ethan is always joking that he's going to die. Um, but yeah, some great stuff there involving Django Fett. We get a cool flashback involving Django Fett and his connection to some of the current happenings in the big Dark Droids crossover that's happening over at Marvel. We also have from Dark Horse, Hyperspace Stories, issue number eight. This one delves into the sequel trilogy. So I don't know, Ben, um, I feel like I'm already starting to get nostalgia for sequel trilogy stuff because we're just not getting a lot of it anymore. They're sort of pivoting heavily away from that. So when we do get sequel trilogy content, it's like, oh, I've been away from this for long enough where I'm actually really like happy when I see characters like Snoke and Kylo and Hux. And that's basically the story we got is, oh, what's the differences in, in how a planet is subjugated? You have a crazy Dark Force user that uses brute force versus Hux, who is more of a scalpel and kind of gets the job done in... A different kind of way we'll put it that way so yeah i have all my reviews for those on the channel right now also quick update i'm over on the star wars underworld youtube channel usually every thursday afternoon we have a little kind of lunch break podcast between me and matthew newsabauer so if you want to get more in depth with my reviews of those comics we're talking about those very comics the day after they come out so make sure you go over there subscribe to those guys and you know, look forward to us every time around uh, 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. We're usually there for the lunchtime podcast. Okay. That's another great way to get Star Wars content. Yeah, certainly, certainly, certainly is. So, as we often say, this is our main topic for the evening. Getting into Ahsoka Season 1, Episode 3, titled "No uh, Time to Fly. And this has got a... 
a very good feel to it. I mean, we get to catch up with the New Republic with Hera, you know, petitioning for aid against their investigations into Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mon Mothma does not, um, well, it's not Mon Mothma's choice, but basically their their council does not agree. They think that they're long gone. They don't want any more war. They want to continue on peace. Meanwhile, you have Ahsoka that is training Sabine, but things aren't going the way we would think. Um, we also have an incredible space battle as our heroes identify the Eye of Scion, and they are quickly kind of overrun by the enemies and land on the planet, and that's where we end up in this episode. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Ben. What were your overall thoughts on Time to Fly? Um, I loved it. I thought I... Uh... You know, I can agree with my, my grandmother on the opening intro of this podcast, but I think it was the best episode of this show so far. Like, it felt, to me, like, it, it checked off all the Star Wars boxes mm -hmm. that you want to check off. Like, it checked off your your um, your Sabine training. It checked yep. off your cool action space battle stuff. It checked off some, like, cool, crazy moments you weren't expecting, like Ahsoka jumping into space. You know, it checked off cool looking ships and technology aka eye of scion like and you know it just and it checked off hey leaving us on a feeling of like almost suspense like oh no we can't wait until next week based yeah. on how it ended so like i feel like it was the best episode of the season mm -hmm. um for sure because it just because of all those reasons like it hit on all cylinders um from start to finish and even though it was only a half hour long it did its job in, um, you know, the pacing, the story. Like I thought it, I thought it, uh, you know, it accomplished what it needed to do. So I really, um, you know, I was really happy with it overall. Like I just, I just thought it was good. And you know, we'll we'll really unpack it and dive into it. But those are kind of my initial thoughts. Yeah, right off the top, I'll agree with you, Ben. I think I did enjoy this episode the most, and I've only watched it once because I gotta watch it again. I'm gonna watch it again this weekend, but. Um, what this this felt like like this felt more like payoff for somebody that already knows the characters you know front to back watched rebels watched clone war everything i already know about these characters so those first two episodes really felt like they had to kind of cover the background of these characters for the people that have never watched yep. those sort of things whereas this episode we're able to just jump in and i got a lot of new hope nostalgia from this from this episode, yep. whether it be the the blinding of the face shield, kind of like Luke being trained by Obi Wan on the Millennium Falcon. The line. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, she said the line. She was like, "With this, with this shield down, I, you know, I can't even see to fight." Or however she said it, <laughs> it was basically real similar to how Luke said it from A New Hope. So like, yeah. you know, it's cool. Like, even that little bit of nostalgia, it's cool. Like, like no matter how much Star Wars fans say it online. I would look into every one of their faces and tell them you're lying because most, you know, you see people online say, Oh, we don't want nostalgia. We don't want nostalgia. But then when they use it, you're like, well, actually I really liked it. You know? So, <laughs> so like, I, I think a lot of people, it, it's good. I felt like a lot of people didn't even like complain about that, which is so nice. Cause like, like you said, the episode just hit. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, so we got that. We got awesome space combat that also reminded me of a new hope with, with Sabine in that gun turret. I love yep. seeing that. I love seeing how Ahsoka and Sabine are actually feeling like they are buddies. The Master and Apprentice, I'm getting more of a friendly vibe. That's one of the things that threw me off in the first two episodes is how 
cold and stoic Ahsoka was, um, it's because they were very much estranged as a master and apprentice, and now they have kind of made up temporarily, if you will. They're still working, a work in progress, but at least they're willing to work together again, and you can start to see that through. So I love seeing the the overall production value again. They are. It's not just like they blew all their budget on the first two episodes. There's there's great action. Great space combat. We see Purgle. We see big, big moments in this episode. Even though it's only 30 minutes, man, this thing is jam-packed. We see big revelatory things for me, like Jason Sandula talking about being a Jedi. And I instantly thought about Kanan, and it hit me in the feels. Yep. You get this cool Star Wars council scene in the very room of, I guess, home with, one, I guess. Well, with your with your resistance guy, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hamato, uh, Kazuda... Ziono, or yeah, because yep. Ziono's father, basically, as a senator, um, just incredible stuff. I think there was even one more thing that I forgot to mention. Um, Purgle, yeah, Purgle. Seeing them in live action, we got a tease of them in Mandalorian season three. So there's a lot of things that are just coming to fruition. So, oh yeah, I mean, there's so much coming to fruition. Um, you know, based on like. You know, like you said, all of those things. Like, I thought as well, here's, like, the crazy thing with this just being, like, a TV show. Like, the space chase was very extended. Like, that was a good chunk of the episode, it felt like. Mm. You know, it was it was a lot of space stuff, which, you know, they're really... Like, when you do a lot of space stuff on these shows, I mean, heck, even on, like, Andor, which is higher budget, like, the when you do space stuff and it's not a movie, it it's a lot harder, you know, to accomplish that. And, like... From me, from my perspective, like, I thought the space stuff looked fine. I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved Ahsoka. You know, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure when we get the behind the scenes thing, I'm sure Dave's going to mention, like, you know, kind of like mirroring Plo Koon going out defending his Padawan, like when he went out in space in Clone Wars, you know. Like, I bet you mm -hmm. that's where, like, I'm sure they took oh. that inspiration from. Like, you know, he was defending Ahsoka. Ahsoka was kind of doing it to defend Sabine, like, type thing. So I feel like that um i feel like that was that inspiration so i really really enjoyed that and then just like seeing shin piloting like you know the bad guys in space i thought was was really cool like her and Marak. Yeah. like i i really really enjoyed that and like this whole episode it's just start to finish it's just like boom 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 like i enjoyed all aspects of it honestly um and it just you know like you said it has its moments that hits you in the feels like you know jason um, like wanting to be a Jedi. And the cool thing is, again, like you said, even though this episode felt more like inside baseball, like where, you know, we all like the hardcore fans appreciate the moments like with Jason or whatever. But the good thing is for like your girlfriend, your mom, whoever, the normal, like not the normal, but the general audience, they would just view that as, oh, Hera's kid wanting to be a Jedi. Like, you know, so it's like, it's good they made it in a way where it kind of like works for both types of fans. Mm. Yeah, it does. It's vague enough where anybody could just understand. Like, okay, this kid wants to be a Jedi. The mass audience doesn't know the kid's going to be force sensitive. They're just like, oh, yeah, every kid probably wants to be a Jedi in the Star Wars universe and Star Wars galaxy, you know? Yeah. But uh, I think we should start from the top. Just the opening shot, just the opening sequence of Ahsoka training with Sabine and. That was something special because uh, we've never seen Ahsoka training 
a Padawan, except for Grogu. I guess I guess we could say we've seen that, but we never seen her training in this way. And how you know she obviously has a lot of patience with Sabine because, as Huang said in the previous episode, you know she she is probably the worst Jedi ever, or basically is what he paraphrased. What you could paraphrase his sentiments toward her is so, and it comes to you know it's like she says it's talent. You know, everybody has innate force ability, but you have to have the talent to bring it out. And it, it kind of goes back to Ray a little bit, right? Where Ray just kind of has a moment where she's able to draw in the power of the force. And, you know, Luke Skywalker, the same sort of way where he's, you know, he learns of the force throughout time, even though he's a lot later in life. So the same could be said for Sabine. It's not like we haven't seen sort of a late bloomer, if you will, when it comes to the Force in, in the Star Wars galaxy. So I liked the sequence itself of just like, first of all, seeing what, what Huang was doing, that was a new kind of training we've never seen before, having his beacon sort of things. But then just Ahsoka just kind of walking up, having the music playing. Kevin Kiner is just fantastic. I, I really feel like the music in these episodes shines more than the other series. So what do you think about this sequence, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great sequence. And, you know, those, like, how Ahsoka was, like, talking about that, like, the talent and the skill and all this. Like, it really, you know, got me thinking. And see, this is something that, like, get would get, like, just the average fan thinking even. Of, like, if you're, like, any type of, like, a general sports fan, for example. Like, you know, you can have, like, all the ability in the world. But, like, if you're not, like, talented and skilled enough and putting the practice in, it doesn't, like, matter per se. So, like, it's cool that, like they're incorporating some like real life concepts like you know like someone who's way more talented say for example you got anakin luke ray um you know anakin and luke obviously are the same lineage and then ray of course is like a palpatine so you know they have such a high degree of ability like they can probably use sloppy skill and get Mm. by because they're so powerful but like on the other hand sabine actually is gonna have to sabine will have to put in like hard training because she's the worst you know so it's just like it's like your average person like me like if i'm gonna be a good basketball player i'm gonna have to practice my butt off and i'm still gonna be probably the worst person at the ymca but like lebron james for example he can just probably go and do just about whatever because he's 6'8 260 and like a big athlete like you know so it's just it's cool that they're like putting in like the the talent and the practice um perspective for sabine and also i think it's good it's kind of like a um it's kind of like a what's the word I'm looking for like a self-awareness of Dave creating this series of the critiques of current Star Wars in my opinion because you know we've talked about it before about like you know Ray's like for whatever people say like the lack thereof training you know in the sequel trilogy up until episode nine you know her lack thereof training this kind of also checks the box of anybody you know that would critique that oh Sabine's not you know, Sabine's going to go yep. from not being force sensitive to training. So this checks the box to be like, hey, critics who complain about that stuff, don't worry, we got you covered. So like they they hit that box perfectly. And then the way they were having her train, I was like, oh, man, I hope like on the first training session, she doesn't just like have the cup come flying to her or something, you know, yeah. because because then it would have just been kind of like your cheesy training inspirational montage type deal. So it was good that they didn't. Um but I, I'm really excited to see where it goes because the big thing with Sabine's character working in this, you know, training, and presumably when we, um, like, say after we get past the fourth episode, mm-hmm. 
depending on whatever time sequence is between like say the fourth and fifth or even between the the events like say after we get done with the fights this coming week because we know based on the trailers there's some fights that happen so after that there's time frames so presumably them training inside the ship and stuff that means when they're off camera Sabine and Ahsoka are probably training, you know, so it's like she will get probably more powerful or more skilled as the series goes on because they're naturally training in the background of the show. Yeah, I, I'm just very curious again, like how, why does Ahsoka seek to train Sabine? Had there been a moment in the past where she sensed that she had the force? Can, can a Jedi, I guess a Jedi can innately just sense somebody has for sensitivity in them so she's just mm -hmm. doing her best to to bring it out of her i feel like there's going to be a ray moment at some point she's going to be dueling shin or dueling maroc because we actually see her dueling maroc i think at some point in the trailer about to get the death blow and she's going to lash out with the force and do some crazy force push and that point on she's gonna learn how to tap into the force maybe yep, not in I the best so. way either maybe not in the best way either maybe she taps into anger she she gets frustrated and she lashes out of anger and now ahsoka has to figure out how to bring somebody back from the dark side essentially and can you imagine a dark side mandalorian jedi oh yeah. man now it could lead to some yeah. really bad bad things going on in the galaxy <laughs> well we'll see here's a cool thing i mean exactly you have that potential potential side effects um but also another cool thing they added in, like with this training montage, I liked that they had her trying to move a cup. And mm. the reason behind that is I think it's also to pay homage to George Lucas, because I'm not sure, Chris, if you saw the George Lucas stuff circling the round since this last episode appeared or came out. Um, but I've seen like other creators like Star Wars Theory and other people pull up. There's old quotes of George Lucas from... Um, the books by Paul Duncan that he did for episodes one through six, where he interviewed George for those books and stuff. And George was talking, uh, George, you know, was telling Paul Duncan kind of about this specific topic. Actually, this was back, you know, a couple years ago when these book books came out. And George Lucas was telling Paul Duncan, like, you know, everybody in Star Wars has the force. It just matters, you know, how much you practice. And his, his direct example was, if I was in the Star Wars galaxy and had the force, I could sit here and hold my hand out to a, a, an empty cup. And no matter how hard I try, like the cup couldn't come to me if I didn't uh -huh. have the practice to be able to do it. So like, I feel like Dave had to have pulled from like <laughs> knowing about that or something, because like literally that's the exact example George used like two, three years ago when he did those interviews. Cause I think oh my gosh. actually, I, yeah. Cause those books came out in 2019. So I guess he would have done them in probably like 2018. So I guess five years ago, but still either way, like George, use that exact example um years ago and then now you know they're using a cup moving example in this show so it just it makes you wonder like huh i wonder if dave got that inspiration actually from lucas um for that scene oh my gosh yeah that's i i gotta imagine that's the case that you just don't throw that out of blue any item ever um and you go for that same item it seems seems yeah. crazy to me um, oh yeah Let's let's talk about the the New Republic situation because I'm really just glad that we're finally getting into the politics of post Return of the Jedi. 
what the state of the council is, what is going on with the leadership, what kind of leadership it is, right? We have this council. We haven't seen this council before. It's made up of aliens, of humanoids. Mon Mothma is the chancellor, which is pretty neat. And yeah, this this is really giving us the backstory of kind of the slow descent and, and how the rise of the First Order happens because immediately the, the Republic, within a year or two, they dismantle like 95% of their fleets and they want to really focus on peace. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them because they've been fighting wars for 30 plus years. If you combine the, the, you know, the Clone Wars uh, and, and, and the Galactic Civil War, they're just done. They, they just want to rebuild. They have to rebuild the galaxy. So I don't blame them. But then you have people that just outright don't want to listen, such as the father of Kaz Giono. So I was really happy to see. I was never expecting to see such a direct link to a Star Wars Resistance character in live action, especially. It sort of blew my mind. Did you know who that well, was right away? <laughs> okay, so I thought, I because like I said, I watched, I think, the, the first nine episodes or so, nine or eight or nine episodes of that show. So I thought, I, I thought I recognized him. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the guy from resistance, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but the thing I was going to ask you, Chris, since you obviously like have seen all of it a lot more and like, you know, no, I don't know. Like, I don't remember as many details about it. So I think Dave might be potentially putting breadcrumbs into this, um, series as well. Like, is there like any indication that, could this guy ever potentially be an Imperial agent? And the only reason I say that is because they kind of put the breadcrumb already in the second episode with those factory workers, you know, long live the empire. And they mm. mentioned there's Imperial, there are Imperial people at every level of the government. And then boom, soon as Hera talks about all this stuff, he's like pushing back hardcore. And then she calls him out and she's like, Oh, where were you just sitting back? Just basically like waiting for the outcome, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So like, I was like, man, I got to bring this up on the podcast and ask you what your opinion is. Cause like, I'm not as educated enough to like make a guess on his character, but it makes you wonder if Dave put that breadcrumb in there earlier, like in the second episode, cause they said all levels of government. And then you, we see, obviously we know Mon Mothma's not, and it makes you wonder if one of those other figures on the console are. Yeah. I would love to see that happen. Just, you know, kind of like the clone wars. Uh, we always reference how that really flushes out the, the prequels and, Hey, why not flesh out Resistance even more than it already is? Now, in Resistance, the history of that character is he never really chooses a side. I mean, he's technically part of the New Republic. He escapes the destruction of Hosnian Prime. He luckily wasn't there at the time. And then when Kaz asks him to, like, come to um, Dakar, the Resistance base, he just flat out denies and says, no, nah, I'm not going to go there. So I thought, I thought that was always interesting about this guy. He's very cowardly. I could see him just sucking up to the first order just to simply save his own hide and get paid for it and it just he seems like the type of character that just he's like that kind of character they just hate because he just constantly gets away from everything and he's just i don't know he just always came off as like kaz's father's just like this nasty guy i don't know hmm. interesting yeah see that's what that's what my first thought was during that conversation was I was like, man, I wonder if Dave put that breadcrumb in the second episode just to like eventually like, you know, say like the C plot of the story is like, I don't know, we get back to whatever events are happening. And like maybe in the seventh or eighth episode, we go back to Mon Mothma again. And she's like, 
hey, we found an Imperial spy in our midst, blah, 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 or something, you know? Um, like, maybe... Because I feel like, you know, they, they obviously, in my opinion, put the whole stuff in the second episode because, you know, you, you need to show loyalty to the Empire. But it also makes more... Obviously, this is all the same canon, but you know what I mean? It makes more continuity with, like, Andor, so Andor doesn't feel as separate. Like, it, mm. you know, it adds more into that as well. Like, to Andor, to, um, you know, to Mando even, when um, the people, the guy in Mando does the Long Live the Empire thing. So mm -hmm. it just makes you wonder if, like, Dave's going to continue to, like, seed in little things like that. So it'll, um, you know, it'll just make, like, all of these series feel more interconnected than yeah. what, uh, than not. Yeah, because you look at the book that came out in 2017 or 2018, Claudia Gray's Bloodline, and yep. there's two different sects of, I don't know if I call them sects, that's more religious-based, but just like two different groups of people in the Republic. You have the centralists and the populists, and by the end of the book, there, you, find, you find out that a lot of these New Republic senators are actually like giving money to the, 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 the beginnings of the First Order. Like and they're they're basically living. They want the empire to return. These politicians that have dealt with twenty five years in the New Republic are like, eh, maybe this isn't as good as we thought it could be. Let's bring back the empire. So you have these people bankrolling the First Order, which is how they get all this great tech. So, I mean, yeah, we could. I could easily see this guy doing that. I could easily see him being one of those people. Okay. I mean, it's a nice little um like seed that's getting planted and then you know also on the the other the other side of the table of the conversation like Hera you know trying to like pitch this whole idea it makes me wonder with her since she's trying to pitch the idea of like hey going after um going after them since they're going to Denab and have her you know it makes you wonder if they're gonna have her be kind of like playing catch-up where she's like slowly like chasing Ahsoka and Sabine in the series like I could picture us getting into the fourth episode this coming week, and it'd be something like, you know, you have Sabine and Ahsoka do whatever they're going to do with the bad guys, and then they leave the planet, and then Hera gets there too late. You know what I mean? It's I feel like it could be something like that, potentially, where, it, like, where it's like Hera keeps missing out on them or something. Um, just because, you know, I think based on this third episode, like, it feels like she's going to be alone. It'll be her and, like, Chopper... Um, just because yep. it's like, you know, the, the Republic doesn't believe her. And like, you know, maybe Mon Mothma believes her, but it's still like, hey, we need more proof before we do anything. Yeah, this is this is like Rogue One all over again, isn't it? Right. Rogue One, Mon Mothma was very against them starting any incursion against the Empire. And it took the rebels to literally rebel against themselves. So here we go again. We have Harrison, Dula, Ahsoka, Sabine. They're from a show called Star Wars Rebels, and they're rebelling against their own government. Like, this is a repeat of what happened last time, essentially, right? Star Wars is poetry, it rhymes, and we're getting that here. Dave Filoni is making it clearly evident. I want to pivot to the space battle. As you said, it takes a lot of the current time of the episode. What did you think about it? I mean, it was shocking it was that long. I... I... I was nervous when we went to the space battle. I was like, "Uh oh, is this going to be like Mando season one, episode one, where it's like a minute long or something? Ah, yeah. Just a, just a quick little boom, 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 and keep it moving. 
And then it just extended and extended and extended and ex extended. And it was like, whoa, I cannot believe they're doing this. Like, like you're, they're really pushing the limits of the volume, in my opinion. Like, I can't wait for the behind the scenes stuff, for, especially this episode. Um, and like the way it all played out, like, you know, you having um, Ahsoka and Sabine, you know, basically kind of reliving the A New Hope stuff. And then you have Shin and Merrick, like, hunting them down and, like, chasing them basically into a trap with Morgan Elsbeth, um, with the Eye of Scion. Like, I just think it's it's so intriguing. And, like, also, there was a moment of, like, actual stakes in this sequence, not even from our um, two lead characters in Ahsoka and Zemean. I was nervous because they've already built up a good comedic relationship with us as an audience and like appreciation for um huang oh I, yeah how do you say his name huang huang yeah huang yeah yeah they built up an appreciation with him and when he gets like fried i thought he was done i was like oh, oh. man i can't believe he just got killed like this i was like holy smokes like i i for i honestly thought he got taken out because like you know we've seen droids get like shocked all to hell before so like I was like, uh-oh. Um, so, like, it added a little bit of stakes there. Even my friend, when we, he was watching it, was like, did they just kill him off like that? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Um, so, it was cool just, like, them adding a little stakes there. And then, like I said, just seeing Shin and Merrick, like, piloting and stuff was awesome, in my mm. opinion. Like, I really enjoyed that entire sequence. I really loved the starship that Shin has. It's I think it's influence or it's inspiration is from a World War II bomber uh, yep. or a dogfight, whatever. Um, it was just, it reminded me a lot of an Abu Starfighter, too, just a little chunkier, you know what I mean? Like the edges were a little beefier. But yep. it just, it's great to see two Jedi flying ships. Like, again, it's, I always go back to Attack of the Clones, Django versus Obi Wan in the asteroid field above Geonosis. And there's a lot of kinetic ways that this is filmed, the sequence here in Ahsoka. And seeing Merrick there as one of the fighters, I love seeing more of him. Love actually he hearing the guy. I love actually hearing his robotic voice. That was interesting. Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with this Merrick character. Like he could, you know, we've seen everything to the cows come home on theorizing on his character. We've seen yeah. it from a new character. We've seen it from a new character to I've seen people saying it's Ezra. Like, you know, and everything in between. Oh. And like, like I've seen some people say Ezra, but it's like, I don't, I don't think that makes sense. Cause why would he like come back? And like, no. you know, if it was Ezra on the bad side, he would tell them where Thrawn is yes. um, potentially like, so, but, but, you know, I've seen every theory in between and like, to me, I'm at a point, I think there's only two options now for this character. It's obviously like you could do with the new just a new Inquisitor, like maybe he's the last Inquisitor, for example. Like he could mm. potentially be like the last, the last surviving Inquisitor from, you know, every, you know, everything. Like maybe it's that. But my thing I keep going back to, and it's, it's just, it keeps getting weirder and weirder with his character because obviously like his armor, just the way he looks, it looks like a, like a very, like a rough image of, say, the Dark Side Star Killer from mm. Force Unleashed 2. And then the thing is, like, when you, well, for starters, too, the, the guy playing the body of him, Paul, Paul Daryl, like, he, he basically is only a stunt double, like, for his career, so it's not like he's, like, an actor. 
And then, like, when you listen to the way Merrick talks, and then you compare it to, like, not every line, but some of the lines that Darkseid Starkiller says in The Force Unleashed 2. Really? It's, like, some of the lines, like, the way, like, if you listen to um, the one line where Darkseid Starkiller, like, says, like, um, you know, like, nothing, or, like, Apprentice, or however he says it, like, it sounds very, very similar to the way Merrick talks. And then the weirdest part about all of this stuff is that Sam Witwer keeps getting credited for voice work on these episodes <laughs> that Merrick's in. And uh -huh. he, like, this is kind of where the puzzle pieces line up. Every character that's spoken in these episodes has gotten a credit. Like, you know, the guy that plays Kaz. Like, all these people have gotten credits that have talked. Except Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer's the only one that hasn't. And the only one, like, Paul Darrell... I don't think that's his voice for one for Merrick, but the thing is, like I mentioned before, he's done a lot of, he's just like a stunt man. So it's just like, okay, you know, it's like your puzzle pieces. The only two people that aren't really being credited for something, it's like those two and, and like that's where the, the puzzle piece fits. So it's just like, I think it's going to be Sam Witwer, um, doing, whether it's doing the voice, if he gets unmasked, that'd be crazy. Um, and then my big thing that kind of like backs this whole idea is like there's the clip of sam out there saying like oh hey me and dave threw around this idea of star killer <laughs> coming into canon yeah because you know star killer basically does the inquisitor thing he hunts jedi just like the inquisitors blah blah mm -hmm. blah 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 like all these things so it's just like it makes you wonder because that clip came out a few months ago and then there was another clip from sam's stream where he straight up said he worked on Ahsoka and he can't talk he's he can't talk about it. Like Whoa. he straight up said that on camera. So it's just like it makes you wonder what this is all about. And I think like the big circle point is if they would do this alternate version of Starkiller. Um like I said, at this point, I hope it is just because it would be pretty cool. Um, but you know, obviously like they could just go with the new character route. But if it is the alternate Starkiller, it makes perfect, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Chris, about the poetic sense of Star Wars, because, like, we would have Anakin's apprentice fighting potentially Vader's apprentice or someone who learned under Vader. Like, you know, like, that would be pretty, like, poetic in a way. So it just, it makes you wonder if they do that. Um, and, like, I don't know, I mean... So many people have like shot the ideas down for Starkiller or these new characters or whatever. But at the end of the day, we if you had asked us four years ago, would you be getting live action rebels? We would have still been saying no then. So it just I feel like anything could happen at this point when it comes to Star Wars and live action, especially with Dave Filoni involved. Like, I just think anything could happen. I mean, think about it. Like, we're gonna be getting Thrawn eventually. Like, we would have never imagined years ago that we would be getting a live action Thrawn. So like What's just about as big as a shot in the dark there? I mean, it's a, some type of a Starkiller character. So, you know, that's kind of like the whole synopsis of the potential, like, Merrick Starkiller or just new character thing. Um, but I do think either way, if Merrick is a new character straight up, I think there's a chance he gets unmasked either way and it's Sam Witwer just playing him, potentially. Yeah, after you said all that, especially the clips and different things, I went back and I realized, oh, yeah, Comic-Con this year, their, one of their big exclusives was a big, like, three um, action figure collected set of The Force Unleashed. <laughs> so 
So, yep. I mean, come on. Why why else would they be putting it out there to amp people up? Because as soon as they find out that, you know, that character is the in canon, are gonna shoot up. the value, it's like, oh, yeah, we put out these a couple months ago, and now they're going to see them on eBay for $500 or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the big Merrick theory. Like, he could be a new character. And, like, come on, guys. Like, the original character named Galen Merrick, and this guy's name is Marak. Like, I don't know. It just, it's too similar. And I do think, like I said, I do think at the end of the day, like, if he does get unmasked, I don't think it's going to be Paul Darrell's face. We'll see. I feel like it'll be Sam Witwer. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, look, like, you can't even, like, like um, one of my, one of my friends, he's always like, oh, well, you know, uh, how, you know, he tries to use the example like, oh, shouldn't it be Sam Witwer in the suit? Well, um, Pedro Pascal's not in the suit. Um, Darth Vader's not in the suit. Like, you know, there's plenty of examples in Star Wars where characters aren't aren't the bodies of the characters. So, like, there's... I think there's a solid chance. It all comes down to... This is the big thing, I think, that kind of, like, puts a pin on the whole Merrick discussion is... It comes down to this fourth episode. And, like, I think... I mean, you might agree with me on this, Chris. I'm not sure. I don't think we've, like, really dove super deep into this. But if Merrick survives the fourth episode, then something's going on with that character. Yeah. That would be halfway through the series. Uh, You're looking at somebody that's more important than just the guy on the sidelines. Okay. we We got Milton Weber saying episode three was very solid. So, yeah. We have... We agreed with that as well, man. I mean, if I were to give this this episode a score out of 10, I'm going to give it an 8.5, which is definitely higher than I think I gave the first one an 8.0. Uh, yeah. Everything I said off the top still applies here, right? The, just the, the going back to A New Hope well. Um, it was done tastefully. I like where the story has a lot of forward momentum. We're seeing more from the bad guy's point of view. We're getting closer. It's that cat and mouse game of they're just the rebels are trying to get there before the Empire. And we're seeing the development of the characters between Sabine and Ahsoka, which is the cornerstone of the series. The bad guys are still as threatening as ever. So I really enjoyed this one. What about you, Ben? Oh, yeah. For me, like I thought this episode was, um, like I said, I thought it was the best one of the season so far. Um, it, it hit all of the different, like, say, Star Wars feels that you would want in a, like, a Star Wars show and a Star Wars project. Like, this, to me, um, like, I've seen people, like, kick this around, but this is one of the most, like, George Lucas-feeling Star Wars, like, things we've gotten in a while. Like, it just felt like, you know, it, it wouldn't have surprised me if this episode ended and said, like, directed by George Lucas or something. Like, this feels like a George Lucas-type, like, the way it was done uh, thing. And like, and I like that Dave's taken influence from him in uh, pushing the boundaries. Like, putting Ahsoka in space to do her spacewalk—that is mega pushing the boundaries with the audience. Because if that doesn't turn out well, or if it looks weird, it could just jack up that entire sequence. And the fact that it turned out well, you know, is a huge plus. So, you know, you have a lot of those positives. Um, you have all the uh, the great stuff like Sabine training. You have like the bad guys doing their thing, it's great seeing Shin and Merrick in in um in battle, and like, and then of course like just the ending with Balin, like just the ominous thing of like Balin, like you know, hey, go into the woods, that's where they're at. So like, I think that means we're just getting forecasted for a 
like action-packed kind of like mid-season finale-ish type thing this coming week. Um, so it's going to be really exciting. And and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I think the best part of this series, you know, we I think we we talked about it in our group chat, we talked about it on our premiere week last week. But I and I you know I posted about it even on Twitter. I think for me, like the best part about this show is it's drumming up Star Wars fan speculation again. Like that's such a huge part of the community. I felt like that's been kind of lacking the last few years just because like the online culture hasn't been let's just say the best. Like we all know if you've been on social media, you know. And like to me, it feels like with this show overall it just feels like a good positive vibe about the show and like it's fun seeing fans speculate speculate like oh who's Merrick who like you know it's cool just seeing like fans speculate about this stuff just because it, it kind of brings back the fun of Star Wars online culture like because there was just so much negativity and it's like it's just nice getting online and seeing fans you know they're they're playfully arguing about like who's Merrick like it's cool seeing that happen again like like versus like you know it's back in the day like when oh who's Snoke who's Snoke like that was the big one back in the day like so it's just cool like seeing like that fan speculation come into play and then just like overall with the quality of the episode i thought it was great like you know we we mentioned it last week and you mentioned it earlier in this episode chris kevin kiner's music is on point like this guy deserves to be um in a movie like he's he's like any whenever john williams decides to hang it up i think kevin kiner needs to be the heir the the heir to the empire but he needs to be the heir to the star wars empire of music like he needs to be the guy um for star wars because his music is just great um but yeah for overall for me for this episode i would say like i said it's the best one of the season so far and for me i would say it's a it's an 8.9 8.9 just barely missing a 9.0 you got to save you know the high scores for later in the season of course because I think the trajectory of the show is every episode is going to get better and better. Real quick before we end, I just want to make a um, a point of just pointing over to the, to the Lucasfilm marketing. I don't know why I can't think of the right phrase here. Um, pointing over to, I guess I'm still frustrated from how the stream was taking forever to start. I'm just still in that <laughs> mode. I'm just like, Arr! but I want to give credit where credit is due to Disney and Lucasfilm for, for promoting Ahsoka in, in a different way than they've promoted other series. I like the little trailer clips they're putting out. I like yep. how they're putting out, you know, trailers of footage, but then also like little clips. Like they put out that, that flighting, uh, the flight clip of Sabine and the, the turret. I don't mind that stuff. That actually gets me more excited. If you show me like a 15 minute clip of like, oh, we're going to get this awesome space scene, I, I'm looking forward to the episode even more. Right? Yeah. So I like how they're. Secretive. Yeah, yeah, they're very much a lot more open. And yeah, I got to give them credit for that. I think they should keep going with that. Oh, for sure. Like, I think as well, like, because. I mean, everyone knows here, if you've been listening to me, like, since we started this podcast, my arrows are always pointed at Lucasfilm's marketing team. Like, I always think it's terrible. Like, and it has been up to this show, basically. But this show, like you said, you have to give them credit where credit is due. Like, they've done a great job, whether it be the little clips, whether it be um, the little, even leading up to the series, the little, like, seven-minute little mini-documentary with Dave and John and everybody talking about Master and Apprentice and all this stuff. Like... You know, their marketing style is definitely improving, and I hope they continue this for all shows. I think, you know, they'll have to really 
amp it up and do well with Skeleton Crew since it's mm. characters none of us know. So, mm -hmm. like, I think they're going to have to do a good job with that. And then, um, you know, it's great seeing, like, because I always am super critical of Star Wars' Twitter account especially because they're just always, I don't know, it just, it just always feels corporate. But, yeah. like, but lately since the Ahsoka shows came out, they're posting good, fun tweets. And, like, even though every corporation says this, it's kind of like, uh, you know, if you have, like, a friend who's, like, treating you badly for so long and then they finally say something nice, you appreciate it. But that's kind of, like, how it is with Star Wars' social media. Is like, you know, they've been kind of crappy for a long time now. And now, just them posting, like, last week, posting tweets about, like, oh, hey, we want to thank our fans, blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. Like, you should be thanking your fans. Like, that's, like... I know it's just like a basic thing for a company to do, but Star Wars really hasn't done a lot of that stuff on social media. They're just, it's always just bland posts. Like, it's like, oh, hey guys, check out the new episode of Kenobi. Hey guys, check out the new episode of Andor, Boba, whatever, Mando even. Like, now with this show, they're like posting about the fans, posting about how much fans are talking about it on social media. Um, you know, they're posting the new hashtags. I don't know if you saw, Chris, but... Um, they added Shin's character now to hashtag like Shin Hati. Really? So, um, yep, they added her character now. So, like, you know, they're doing more and more like fan engagement stuff, hmm. which they should be. Like, they're, they're it's a multi billion dollar company. So, it's just, it's great seeing it. Like, that's been such a pleasant surprise for me because I see it on social media. I see it on TV. Like, there's been so many times on TV now where uh, I see all these like little clips, like, you know, they're putting in TV budget TV budget for advertising. Like, so from, like, last week to You mean movie now, budget? There, yeah, like, movie budget, you know, into marketing. Yeah. Um, like, so last they week to now... To. Yeah, like, I've seen those little clips shared, you know, from last Tuesday to today. Like, I've seen clips, you know, leading into this next episode already. Yeah. So it's just cool seeing them actually, like, put that effort in and i think they really need to continue that with all the shows moving forward whether it be skeleton crew and or mando um even another season of ahsoka if they do it like just continue this style of marketing and i think it's going to like reflect in the viewership too because like you know they posted about uh you know like the samba score like the samba score was a 1.2 which is okay but then you know in there like the first like five days of release or whatever it was they had 14 million total views which is great. Like that's that's really good. Like basically that's like I've I've seen the numbers around, but that's basically like half of what say like a Game of Thrones premiere would do or a Game of Thrones episode would do in terms of like views over like a five day period. So that's that's really good actually. So it's just exciting. Um and to me, like those numbers like reflecting over say, like I said, like a five day window. You know, when when the episode drops, it may not be getting a lot of views potentially, but it's getting more views as the week goes on, as people check it out. And I think the show's getting a lot of good word of mouth marketing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they have to, they have to promote it this way. They don't have late night show people, act, actors going to late night shows to talk because they actually do get a lot of people that will tune into stuff based on those celebrities talking on the talk shows, daytime, nighttime. So they have to really be aggressive with the their own in-house kind of promotion. So, yeah, I'm here for it. Maybe a good thing that came out of all of this nonsense with the uh, strikes and all 
is maybe they'll that this will change their tune on how they promote Star Wars in the future. Doesn't really matter to us though in the, in the long game because we're gonna watch it no matter what. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll watch it if there was no marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's gonna wrap it up for us here this week. We want to hear from you guys. What did you think of the episode of Ahsoka? And no, I, I keep saying no time to fly. Like I'm, I'm mixing between. Mission Impossible and Ahsoka, time to fly. I'm mixing them both together. I don't know. It was walking out of the Walmart today. I seen a, I seen an advertisement for No Time to Die. That's probably ingrained in my mind. I don't know. But yes, yeah, so you can see us here next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can always download us and talk to us also at the hashtag of Outer Room Transmission on Twitter on X. We hope to see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody, who joined us in the chat this week. We had Rural Farm Boy. We had Hannah. We had Milton. So we'd love for you guys to join us next week. Ben, where can people find you? Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Twitter talking um, sports and Star Wars as we're leading into the NFL season. So that's exciting, at Real Ben Maynard. And then you can find me on Instagram posting my, like, fitness journey as well. Um, trying to, like, you know, work it on slowly, getting shredded, at Real Ben Maynard. And then uh, this week should be a good week. We got... Like, it's going to be a great week for me, actually. We got Ahsoka on Tuesday. We got my birthday on the 6th. We got NFL football back on Thursday and then the weekend. So it's like, it's like it's going to be a really great week. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm already looking forward to tomorrow and getting into the week and get this week started. Yeah, there you go. So as I said off the top of my show, uh, of the show, I'm going to be putting up my review for, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi in the next couple of days. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the Dark Droids comics coming out. Looking forward to chatting with Matthew about the current comics on Thursday over on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel, and playing more Starfield. Uh, oh, Chris, very good game. I do have, I do have one thing to say. I haven't played Starfield yet. Um, you might be able to like give a quick little rundown. I'm not sure exactly how it works on this, but I saw actually someone, so one of the streamers I follow, he said for his Starfield character, he named him Han Solo actually, and he said. I don't know, some AI or like a robot or something in the game yeah. is actually, you know, it calls you Captain Solo. So he said like, you know, he, he loves it because like it's calling him Captain Solo. So it's like, hey, that's a fun little thing for like, you know, anybody who listens to this uh, podcast. Like, you know, if you want to like kind of have kind of like a Star Wars vibe, you can like name your character a Star Wars character and it could read the name. Yeah, yeah, no, you actually can. I, I name mine Captain Jack. <laughs> So oh, it's like awesome. every time I go to my ship, you got the char character companion of, um, oh gosh, it's something with a V, but yeah, he is your, your robot buddy that you first get. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's really fun and it doesn't get old when you like, you get a character that actually calls you by your character name. So yeah, I'm only like, oh yeah, I said I'm only, I'm, I'm already like five hours in and, and like, I'm like just messing around like i've barely seen any of the game um but it's so much to do so many systems um so that's a whole podcast for another day or something another video for another day <laughs> but um yeah thanks everybody for joining thanks for listening until next time that's gonna do it for outer room transmission for ben for milton who's hopefully gonna be here next week i think we'll see him next week for i chris aka star after that's gonna do it for outer room transmission 120 thanks for watching may the force be with you and transmission